Welcome back. I am super excited to have Megan on the show today. Megan brings this really super unique background of entrepreneurship. She served as an air traffic controller in the army. She earned a bronze star while deployed in Iraq. Did numerous things over there, fantastic things with her team. And then she transitioned into this civilian career of air traffic control. And somewhere after that, like you felt this calling to entrepreneurship. She started doing some things while she was stationed in Hawaii. It helped her kind of shape out her understanding of customers and how to best fit into them, deliver them what they need so you can do well for yourself and they can do well for others. And so you, then you shaped this passion for nutrition and outdoors into a granola company called Elevated Oats here in Alaska. And at some point there, I think we were working together when you guys saw your shift of, oh crap, we're not a product. We're not a granola company. We're a community. And we've done this really great job of forming a business around a community and other people who are like-minded and doing everything from just spreading the message, healthier lives to let's go mountaineering and do things like that. I have spoken out now. I'm super excited to have you on the show, Megan. Thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thanks for having me, Graham. I know we go way back. I, that design thinking we did together with the Legos, I still remember I had such a difficult time creating something with Legos. Yeah. I, I appreciate that. That's part of entrepreneurship is like, how do we iterate this off? How do we iterate on something and test something before we like release it to the masses? Like that's my version of that working with you was like Legos. How do I figure out how to do Lego serious play with startups and yours was like, how do we introduce new flavors or something like that? Maybe. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was a lot. I, we, I feel like we've learned so much and we've had all of these outside resources throughout that whole entrepreneurship process, which was amazing. And then I think that ties into the community aspect of it too, because it's the community, not just with the customers that we have, but also with other business owners that are in the startup space and the small business space and like helping each other in that community too. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go right down into this. Tell us where, who are you? What are you doing right now? What are you working on? Toads. What do you think that? Okay, so my name is Megan Melatello. I am in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm the founder and CEO of Elevated Oats. I, uh, my business partner and I decided to shut down our company in, I want to say the end of July, June, June, July timeframe. We, we decided to start every, shutting everything down in May. And then it was just a trickle of shutting and closing and turning things off and making sure you don't have auto pays on whatever and moving the rest of the product. And it was, it was really interesting because our entire, we had a complete shift in our priorities, our whole four years of building this granola startup that was also a lifestyle brand and had a community aspect. It was always like, how do we get people to see our stuff more? How do we get people to buy it more? How do we put it in a prettier package to convey our message? Constantly solving problems, constantly trying to figure out the next move and then being like, okay, we are not going to do this anymore. Do we wait? Do we hold out until the end of the year? And then it's, like, it's almost defeating, right? Like, why would we keep, we're going to keep trying to build this thing, but really 
we're not building it. We're deciding to shut it down. So are we going to keep going? And so let's just rip off the Band-Aid, just start moving into a new chapter of life. And then too, Lacey and I had a big challenge living apart from each other, building this entire company focused in Anchorage, Alaska. And she was in North Carolina for the first three years, Washington for the last year, which was nice because we were a lot closer and the time change was a big shift. But that was, that was a big challenge on our company as well. Holy cow. Um, yeah. Oh, but what am I doing now? I'm enjoying my hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> I'm enjoying my hiatus. I'm doing a lot of adventures. I told you this last weekend. I did Grace Ridge. We got back yesterday. The weekend before that, we backpacked Kasugi for three days. So I am like just getting more into Alaska in this, the time that I can. And then I accepted a position with the MEP, who is the Manufacturing Extension Partnership as a supply chain optimization manager. I feel like it's a lot of big fancy words, but ultimately helping manufacturers in Alaska optimize getting their product from raw ingredients to finished goods and moving it either within or outside of the state. That's awesome. As we were talking before we hit the record button, I was speaking earlier with the founder of Hydroflask, and then it was a major consideration that he had to go through. It was like, I'm doing this in this state, and the supply chain doesn't, it just doesn't financially make sense for me to stay here when my manufacturers are here, my suppliers are here. So I got to go somewhere where it makes financial sense for the business. And that's a tough decision for companies in Alaska, right? 100%. Yeah, it is. You're paying for product to get up here and then you're paying for product to move out of here most times because we don't, we don't have everything here, all the resources. And then too, with food, there's a big challenge. Like we use gluten-free oats. Even if oats were growing up here in Alaska, for a farmer to have the gluten-free designation, that's a whole nother thing for them. Yeah. That's this is like a big problem. It doesn't matter what state you're in, if it's remote Alaska or if it's being in Ohio or California, everybody's supply chain has different requirements. Yeah. I'm so curious where, so the guy from Hydroflask, where was he at? And then where did he move to? Hawaii. And he moved he to Oregon. Yeah. He moved, no, he wasn't in Hawaii and he moved to Oregon. Okay. I remember this. I feel like when, cause I was stationed in Hawaii, I feel like I remember that the Hydroflask was started there and yeah, it would not make sense to be manufacturing there. I can see. Yeah. You're an the island. He had such a cool story and the, I'll release the episode next week, but it's such a cool story and forget like what all, cause we talked about so much on the air and then so much off the air. So I figure out, I forget like how much of that got included in the episode because he's a super smart and inter interesting person where he just really draws on a lot of, I saw a problem. I visualized myself solving it and I said, I'm going to do that. And I went and I did it and I didn't really think about it. And before he knew it, it was like solved. What's the next problem? Manifestation. That's how I hear and just manifest it. Yeah, being very intentional with our energy. Yeah. It, you did two hard things. You've done a lot of hard things, but two of them that you talked about real quickly and saying who you are is that you decided to start a business, which is a, he a heart heavy thing to do. Put a lot into this. And then you had to choose to stand that business down. Which one of those was heavier on you? Oh, starting a business was harder for me. Yeah. yeah. I was in a completely different place in my life 
I just got out of a bad relationship and I was living in Alaska in my dad's basement. I like didn't know what I wanted to do. I left that government job that I just spent 10 years. Like I've had a master's in aeronautical science. Like I was very dedicated to that career path. So I was losing my, I, here's more identity, right? Losing my identity, this huge change. I was leaving my husband, coming here and it was my dad, so grateful, offered me an opportunity. And he was like, I want you to have something of your own. And I just dove head first into creating this thing that I was like, nobody here is making granola. But I knew nothing about consumer packaged goods or having my own thing. And this is where the resources to you. I got really involved in who was in the startup community. What can I learn? What does the SBDC offer for me to learn about QuickBooks or whatever I needed to do to make this thing that was real? Yeah, that was tough. I think the shutting down part was a lot easier because my dad, who is my number one person that I would go to for anything, he said, do you think that it's going to all work out the first time you try? And I was like, damn. I'm still young. There's so much ahead of us. And it can't always be the first time, the first shot. And we've learned so much in growing that company, like starting out with just the name, how you're talking to your audience, who your ideal customer is, all of those things, like the knowledge that we have now, if I was to start a new company, wow, it would be so much easier. But like back then, having nothing that was, it's intimidating and you have to really get out of your ego and just get into everything that you can to learn whatever and make it happen. Yeah. I, so many people I talk to is it's, we'll have that conversation in a closed door and I want to make it more of a, an inclusive conversation with everyone, make it, put it out there more. I guess that's the word to you. Like just get it out there that. Running a business is hard and it can really wear you down. It can make you feel like you are maybe not doing the right thing sometimes. And that can really stress you out. Like so many companies start this way that they get off and they don't have money. They find money and they get going. And then something happens where they lose a lot of money or their supply, their suppliers can't keep up with their demand or their partner sues them or Shit just gets wacky sometimes. Running, yeah. deciding just to do it alone can be really a heavy. Thank you for being open about that and saying, yeah, that. it's art. Oh, yeah, totally. I'm, I do not like to sugarcoat things. <laughs> know what you're in for, people. It, it was so much fun and rewarding, right? Wow. But yeah, it's not an easy path. Tell us some of that, then, like the rewarding side of it, your experiences. How did those kind of shape your perspective moving forward? Yeah, I really learned how to value myself in this whole process and value what I was creating. This is part of changing the narrative, right? Your mindset is so important. So I would always say, I hate selling. I hate selling. Gosh, I don't want to call these people and try to sell this thing. And that is not a very helpful mindset to have. <laughs> it's already I'm not excited about doing my job. But then I started seeing as I'm providing something that is better than everything out there. And that's the reason we started this company is because we wanted to give people something that had less sugar, that uses real fruits and vegetables. Like 
really hitting our value propositions and believing in those things, like really believing that you are doing this with the purpose. Because if you don't, if you don't believe in that, then it's kind of like you're just going through these motions and there's no passion behind it. Yeah. So I think really the mindset, the narrative opportunity, then you start seeing like for us having a food item. We had someone send us pictures like on Denali with our granola and be like, this granola, your granola fed us through our trip or whatever. And other people that would message and be like, we didn't have gluten-free options at all except your granola, which that was an important thing that we learned early on in building the company that gluten-free was important for people. And there wasn't many options out there. The reviews, man, if I ever need a pick-me-up, I just go on Google reviews. <laughs> read some of those. <laughs> it's the best. And then we created a Facebook group and we've been doing group hikes for the last two years, which gets people outside. I have built these really beautiful relationships with people that have continued to come on our hikes over the years. And now we're friends on social media. And it's just really, it's been so great to offer something good. And not just in that food aspect, but like in that community, the outdoors, tying in the mental health and how we wanted to help people realize just 10 minutes outside improves your cognitive health. Here in Alaska, man, it's so cold in the winter and the darkness. And it was so important to have people come together and try to make those like healthier choices. And how do we make a better lifestyle really to just improve ourselves? So it's just, yeah, non yeah, it never stopped the good things that I heard and would see. And it's even after shutting down, even after shutting down, where I was tell I don't even remember. Someone was telling me, yeah, I was at Kaladi Brothers and someone was like, oh, the elevated odds. And they were like, yeah, did you hear that they're shutting down? And the person's like, oh, no, I love them so much. And it's really nice to have made an impact like that. Yeah, no, I think you guys definitely still are. If you're not in elevated odds community, you should get into it. I, that's one thing I noticed how they announced they're shutting down and your guys' community has just continued to actually go on and even grow. So how can somebody get involved in your guys' community if they have that desire to? It's called Elevated Community on Facebook and we're about just living an elevated life. So different recipes that maybe you can share or hikes that you go on. We share all of our group hikes that we do in the Anchorage area. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to continue to evangelize this for you a little bit more because if you're not in there you should because it's not one of those communities that you can go to and you're just going to be on receive mode being sold to or being asked to come to places where a product is available it's a community where you're not just going to get but there's opportunities for you to give also and so that's I've been telling you and Lacey that since I very first met you guys oh my gosh you guys have built a community that's should be valued and then this idea of how do you nobody wants to sell their community but people should be selling how do you build a community around this thing that you've built that's a lot of build bill sorry well interesting because even with the hikes we were like all we're selling is the granola. We're like, how do we monetize these things? And that's like a whole nother business, having a hiking business where we're charging money for stuff. I'm like, we don't want to do that. 
And uh, yeah, so it really has turned into just a, this special place where you discover things and share with each other. And I really love seeing hikes happen where I'll see people like exchange numbers after the hike is over and then they'll go hiking later. And yeah, it's really special and a special thing to do. And you've done it around something that's hard to do. It's not come to our sit down with us and have coffee. It's come burn calories, legit calories. Dude, yeah, we did this double summit. Like we did a flat top to peak two. And a girl that came has never been on a hike in her life. This was her first hike ever. She was from New York. And she and I was like, wow, impressed. And the people that were there in the group, they were like, helping her along she was afraid of heights and flat top sketchy it is not easy going up that front side the the support and encouragement it was yeah it's amazing it's so amazing like your time in the military did any that stuff feed into being able to identify or build repeatable systems and processes any of this stuff in the community that was how did the military feed into your journey Great question. Yeah, the military was probably the tightest community I have I had ever felt in life. Moving around a lot as a kid, not really being like a floater in high school, not really having one group of friends that I was really in with. The military was this unit that they had your back, right? Like they had your back in the desert, they had your back at home. You became this family togetherness. And a hard part for a lot of military members is transitioning out of the military. And I don't think it's just for, oh, let me get a new job. It's that you do lose a lot of that structure, systems, discipline, having that community of people. And yeah, transitions just, it tends to be really hard. And so it's like, how can I create something like that, right? Where we have each other that's not the military. <laughs> utilizing social media having it be still very clear and defined on what we're what our goals are and what we're doing but yeah military was really special because that was the first time i got to see something like that and so taking that into entrepreneurship the business knowing that we needed repeatable systems because i can't you cannot do everything as a business owner. If you want to grow your company, that is physically impossible for you to manage every single aspect of it, right? Unless you're doing one little service of consulting, maybe. But even if you want to grow there, like you want someone else doing the accounting, you still have to have a team. So that was a big part of the military of air traffic control. Like I know I cannot do it all on my own. I need other people moving these other parts to make it all work together. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. At any point in time, do you remember, like, can you tell us the time where you and Lacey looked at each other and went, yeah, just like we did in the army? <laughs> we had a lot of moments like that. We had a lot of moments like that. Yeah. Counseling statements, right? Like doing performance evaluations. I think the HR translated a lot because that to me was interesting. I'm like, okay, I need to check in with my people. The leadership aspect from the military and being a business owner was huge. You have, you just have to do it, right? You have to do these things. You can't, nobody else is going to do it for you, right? So suck it up, get through this. Maybe I don't like this part of the job, but it is part of the entire 
pie, right? This is just a sliver of it. Yeah. So we had a lot of times where we just were like, okay, yeah, this is like that. And even our like high above the best, like of the songs that you had to have in the military and like a mission, right? All of those things to keep the team working together towards that goal. Military was definitely a benefit for entrepreneurship. I think too many of us don't realize it until after we've gotten out the masterclass that we just went through on so many different. I wish the military would instill how valuable you actually are. Because they put so much money and energy into a soldier in whatever, right? Like, they're really putting a lot of training into that person. Civilians don't just have that. Like, regular jobs, you don't just have that happening. You don't have a leadership class once a year or a carp class or something to teach you about these different things. It's just not happening. Yeah. Yeah. And the check lot too, right? Like, the check on... How did you go from what you just described to these things are in place where people check on to now you're an entrepreneur and who was check, who was checking on you as far as like mental health, stress levels, work-life balance, things like that. Who ended up checking on you? Yeah, that, I think me and Lacey checked each other a lot in that. And wow, what a blessing to have a business partner because I've heard a lot of entrepreneurs that are doing it themselves, how much of a struggle that is like how alone you can feel and me having her in this like half and half situation we talked every single day about our business and it was days too where it was like today this is not what i want i don't want to do these sales and she's like okay i'll just email them and she's like and done and i'm like ah thank you wow what a relief that was so we would really help each other in the areas but that's part of being aware, working on building that self-awareness to know that you're getting close to your limits or that things are not working the way you want them to work. Having that buddy to help you out. Hey, how can I help you take care of this thing? We had done a podcast about shutting down the business and Emily from AK Coffee Company called while she was like in the middle of the podcast and she was like, oh my gosh, I just... I feel everything that you're saying and she didn't have anybody to talk to. And so even just me and Lacey on a podcast sharing that gave her a little bit more of that insight and not feeling so alone in that whole process. I think we're all going through a lot of similar things and we don't even realize it because we're so in it. You're like, in it. You're in the shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is a conversation I want to have with you. We'll continue it off the air, but I'm talking with Mar- Margot Bliss about this same thing of like companies within, let's just talk about just Alaska, particularly because you and I are in Alaska yes. and I'm talking about Margot. She's here. But yeah. Alaska, companies in Alaska, but it's companies everywhere. They can start and they can fail or they can fall short of a certain log for milestone. And that can really deter that entrepreneur from continuing to go, especially in such a harsh state as Alaska, what it can be. And I really want to, I really am passionate about pulling together this a group of founders and being a place where we could talk about this, level set it. That way, people who are really good and passionate don't just quit. Like their first time can't be the only time. Like your dad said, did you think that the first time was going to be it? Right. There's a second time. What's your second time? That's 
we should call it that second time. I don't know. <laughs> giant, um, Come back. <laughs> on the second time, so we keep going down that path, pivots. We went through pivots, changes, improvements made along the way. I think, can you tell us how you started in Hawaii talking and you were doing salad, right? Salad toppings and that, right? Yeah. Um, through your iterations and where you wound up. So being an air traffic, I was an air traffic controller on Oahu and my second husband was living on the big island and my values started to change. I was like, okay, what do we want? Do we want to start a family and start building this life on the big island? So I left my job, which was huge because I was up for a supervisor position and it was like this continuing path. I needed one more year left to get any sort of pension between like my military and civilian time. So I'm like, okay, I need one more year left. I'm going to go work base operations on Tohakaloa, which was in the middle of the Big Island. It took about an hour to drive up there, an hour back. So my days were 10 hour days. And then they shifted to 12 hours once I started working four tens, which was nice. So it was a lot. It was this big shift into a new position. But I, I didn't want to keep working for the government. I wasn't happy with where I was at. I didn't like seeing how the government spent money frivolously, in my opinion. There were certain things where I was like, I would love to move away from this. My second husband and I had an Airbnb at our house. It was on the third floor, completely separate. We did that for two years. And that was like my first taste of entrepreneurship. We also were making breakfast for the Airbnb guests, or if you wanted to buy dinner, we would make dinner. And it turned into this really awesome thing that was our own that we would improve and maybe put a little book and follow, go to these places or whatever. So then I just started flirting with all these different ideas. Oh, maybe lunch boxes. Oh, okay. Salads. Yeah. Salads are easy. I would love to help people eat healthier. I was studying to become a health coach. I was already trained as a personal trainer. So being active and that lifestyle was already a big part of me. When I went to go work that base operations job, I had one person in my office and it was my boss. And he drank diet sodas every single day <laughs> and was not eating healthy. And it really became this like personal mission to be like, hey, how about, do you know what aspartame does to you? <laughs> like, just let's read our labels of what we're eating. Like, how can we make healthier choices? And when you're close with someone, is you too, like work in this job in the middle of nowhere. We really opened up and he started to make a lot of changes. And so I started making salads as like a lunch option, maybe three times a week. Hey, let eat a salad three times a week. Granola was the snack that I was really into. I'm like, buy this yogurt. It has low sugar. Let's put some granola on top and that'll be like midday meal instead of eating whatever crap we had there, which wasn't a lot. You're in the middle of the island, so we don't have options. And then I started making salads for someone else. It was great. I was like, wow, this is the thing to do. Once I, <clears throat> all that was going good, my relationship started going under. So my second husband had a psychotic break, which was horrible, but such a big shift and change in life. I decided to leave, come to Alaska, live in my dad's basement. Salads won't, not that they wouldn't work here. Salads are more of a challenge in Alaska. You don't have the produce like Hawaii has. So I shifted into the granola being the thing because it's 
make more sense. There wasn't a company here doing that. It was easy to make. I thought it was very scalable. I could still align it with having that healthy lifestyle, right? And trying to make better choices and eating real fruits and vegetables. And how that affects your mental health, because I didn't know a lot about mental health until I went through all of these really big shifts in life. So then it became all about that being the mission, like trying to help people have a holistic, like a more holistic lifestyle. I was already into trying to help people do that. And then when the mental health side came in, it wrapped it all the way around. I'm like, wow, it's really not just about food and working out. Like there is so many aspects of our health that we can improve or pay attention to or make little modifications or whatever. So I just kept going in that entrepreneurship way. And as doors shut, other doors open, I heated those opportunities, became like a yes woman and just was like, yeah, I'm going to do these things. And why not? Like life could change at the drop of a dime, right? It was like, why not just do it? Why not just go for it? Because Everything changed that I had thought was going to be a certain way. Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> oh, it was all. Oh, so what were you in this point of your life now here in Alaska? What was your, what was your first step that you did where you were convinced of elevated oaks? What was your first step? Business license. I got a business license two weeks after I got here. Yep. And then it was looking into all the resources. What do I need to do? How do I have a food company here? There's a few different routes that someone can take. I did cottage food laws. Depending on the type of food that you're making, there is this this cottage food law where you can make your food at home, package it at home. It has to have certain labels on the packaging and then you can sell it direct to consumers. So this would be like at farmer's markets me going to your house and dropping it off, you coming to where I'm at and picking it up, but could not sell online, could not sell wholesale, has to be direct to the consumer. And then they had a limit on that too. I think at the time that I started, it was 10,000. And now I think it's 25,000 annual revenue. So the safety, the food safety system wants to limit those people that are making it at home. So you're not making hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of revenue in some product. And there's no one checking your stuff to make sure you're being actually, you're moving such a small amount that they're like, okay, this is a low hazardous item like granola. You can do this at your markets, whatever is like your job. And then it just turned into, it's not going to last. It's going to be a lot faster than that. We want to do more. So we got a factory right away in January, remodeled this pizza hut that was our factory space it's a 1500 square foot space and that took a couple months and then by april okay so august of 2019 we got the business license sold the first bag of granola in october of 2019 january of 2020 had signed a lease on a space and by april we were dec approved which is like an approved kitchen from the state and we were able to start selling wholesale, made our first online sale. And then after that, it was like a different game. We weren't, it's not just about doing markets. It's how do we get into grocery stores? Later on, we ended up getting into Walmart. And then things progressed really fast there in the beginning to where, yeah, that cottage food, I was like, I think we're going to make more than $10,000 in a year. Uh-oh. So we need a space, everybody. 
and just kept rolling. That's awesome. You know, anybody who's, who has uh, a checklist, if you will, already published it out there specifically for entrepreneurs in the veteran community that allows us to find our strengths and go, oh, wow, and this would be really easy to do in Alaska. Is there anything like that out there that you know? I don't know of anything like that. No, but I like that idea. Yeah, we should riff on that a little bit. Because having that in place, I think is a major, or having that not in place is a major, major thing for veterans when they're leaving, whether it's ETSing or retiring, and they're doing it from Alaska. What's your, where's the wait for them to go, oh, I should stay here. I should do that this year, right? Yeah, it would be good to build up our economy because this is part of our supply chain problems that we have here. So we're bringing up all of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I do know that there is the, like, something to CEO, service to CEO program. I think there's a few different accelerators that people can get into, not necessarily veteran-related, that can help. But I don't know of anything specific to Alaska either. Yeah. yeah. I do know that you can go to the Alaska Startup website and then you'll find a bunch of the different resources for the accelerators and stuff that are offered here in the state. And then I think that the Northwest Impact Group, something like that, that they just opened up a veteran side of things here. Yeah. Like within the last week, I think. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. We'll talk about it more and I'll yeah sources. If you were if you have one last piece of advice that you wanted to give to military veteran entrepreneurs, uh, whether that's soldier or spouse, what would that be? Wow, you have the power to do anything that you absolutely want to do. I think that is like the biggest thing to believe, right? Like really believe that we are capable because we do have those resources out there to make it happen. And it's just about collecting the knowledge, executing, right? Using those things, working in our strengths, realizing what we're not necessarily the best at and outsourcing those things. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. If somebody wanted to bring you into their circle as they wanted to pull on your knowledge and your experiences, where would be a good place for them to connect with you on? Great question. This is new. <laughs> uh, LinkedIn. I think LinkedIn would be the best place to connect with me professionally. And you can find me. It's just whatever the backslash is, Megan Melatello. And same thing on Instagram and all the places. Join our Facebook group. Even if you're not in the Anchorage area, join our Facebook group because we'll talk about hikes anywhere that are amazing or recipes anywhere that are great or how you can be mindful throughout your day. That's true. Like look, one last question is these podcasts like this failed or for, failed and forth or others. Why do you think that it's important that people listen to these? Oh, okay. Let me just say it's great to see the sign of, oh yeah, I'm building this business. And I feel like a lot of things out there are I'm in this process of building this business but nobody's talking about the other end of things which is shutting down and moving on to something else and there's so much power in starting over and 
taking that knowledge that you've gained in your past experiences and applying it to something new and not getting so down on yourself, right? Like failure, this is, we created the narrative around that, right? This is just an opportunity for another challenge to be overcome. Awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. Megan, thank you so much for recording with me. This is an incredible conversation. Good luck in all, everything that you're doing in the future. And yes, I can't wait to hit end recording soon when I can talk about all things off it. Thank you. So it's, yeah, thank you for having me. I am grateful to share. If you're still here, thank you so much. Um, thank you to Denland Group for helping to craft this idea, put it together and make it what it is, giving the heartbeat to the podcast as it stands. Um, keep coming back. We were going to record episodes with people like uh, we've got a Vietnam veteran. He was a, he was a, a lieutenant, second oldest person in his, in his platoon. He's going to share stories about leading through uh, the Vietnam War. We've got Matt Denny Mohawk. Uh, from Denlin Group is going to come share stories about branding and just generally being awesome. Um, we've got a sports psychologist who trains with Green Berets at Robin Sage there at Fort Bragg. Um, people out of space. We've got people out of the banking industry, people out of uh, cybersecurity coming. It's, it's going to be awesome. So keep coming back. These episodes are just going to keep getting better.